Good Up is our space to talk about those experiences in life we didn't know we all had in common. We're the after work happy hour conversation with your best friend. The place where you bring up the hard parts of life, the ones that made you laugh, and the things that made you who you are. Because who said becoming good up wasn't a little bit uncomfortable? Stay tuned for more information about this week's episode. But it's okay. I got up anyway. Why don't you feel good up this week? I mean, we're supposed to we're supposed to come to this space feeling good up. You know why I don't feel good up? They've been hacking into my body. Okay, <laughs> like my feet don't hurt, don't work. <laughs> but it's okay. I got up anyway. Exactly. That's the point. That's that's, that's the whole purpose. I got up. So so introduce yourself to the people, um, since you um since you ain't feeling good up this week. Well, y'all know who I am. Y'all been here, but if you've never seen us, heard us, I'm Deidre. I'm, you know, I'm the little fairy that flies in, right? Ready to play. Ready Not to... the fairy. I, I feel like a fairy sometimes, you know? But yeah, I'm just here. I do all the things. I can't think of anything that I don't do. So I'm just going to reduce it to I do all the things and I love it. And I love everybody. Well, um, that works. That is that yeah. is an introduction. I mean... <laughs> We are so glad you could join us this week for a chronicle of all the human shit and shenanigans we are about to bring you. Remember that you can always catch previous episodes of our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. Again, we are now on YouTube. Hello. Okay. Y'all been asking for the video footage. Y'all have it for the free on YouTube. Just yeah. subscribe. Please. But for those of you who, who do want to pay a little bit extra to get a little bit extra, we are also on Patreon. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash gooduppodcast to get all the exclusive content, to get your episodes earlier than everybody else, to get bonus episodes, to talk to us about the episodes, to give us feedback and actually have us listen to you because you're paying for it. Anyway, um, we're on Patreon. And <laughs> finally, of course, we want you guys to talk to us on social media and share your feedback on each episode. So make sure that you use hashtag GoodUpTuesdays so that we can find your tweets or posts or pictures on Instagram or what have you about the GoodUp podcast. All right. So this week, we have a guest who also happens to be a very close friend of mine, and I'm so excited that she's on the podcast today. Um, her name is Phoenicia Bondage, people. Um, so for those of you who know Phoenicia and I personally, um, you're not surprised that Phoenicia's on the podcast whatsoever. Um, Phoenicia is the owner of Immuna Creative Agency. She is your one-stop shop for all things branding. So for those of you who have small businesses... Okay, you have a small business. You don't know why people aren't buying your shit. Your logo look crazy. Um, you know, <laughs> file resolution just janky as fuck. Just call Phoenicia. Call Immuno Creative Agency. Find them on Instagram. She got you. She's she's going to set you up and have you looking good. All right. You know how I know her business is a hit because when you said her name, I said, "Wow, that sounds like a superhero name." <laughs> and now it's obvious that that's her job, right? Superheroes. Yeah. A superhero for small business owners. Get it together and call that girl. No, real shit. Don't be complaining. Call her. (laughs) Phoenicia is like the definition of a superhero, to be honest. When I was a pageant queen in undergrad, Phoenicia was like, literally like my personal assistant like Phoenicia was helping me get ready for appearances Phoenicia was like carrying my bag Phoenicia was like are you hungry do you need anything I got you like dude will come through with the shits okay she got Mm. you listen it's people like Phoenicia that'll make the world go wrong exactly people who always anticipate other people's needs so speaking of anticipating other people's needs, on January 1st, Phoenicia is dropping her first podcast, which we are celebrating and we are very excited about. It's called the Unconventional Christian Podcast, which we are going to be talking about more throughout this episode, especially because of today's episode topic, which you guys are going to find out later. So make sure that you stay tuned, keep listening, and you're going to find out what today's main episode topic is. I know judging from the title, you're probably wondering what the hell, hey, Isa, y'all know I just be making this shit up when I edit, okay? Um, um, so 
the first segment, as you guys learned last week, we introduced some new segments to this podcast. So, Phoenicia, since you are new to the Good Up podcast and our shenanigans, the first segment of our podcast, we like to discuss what's on our social media timelines. So we're going to let you go first and tell us what's something funny or weird or crazy or stupid or ratchet that you saw on your timeline this week that just is on your mind. The social media feed, I mean, lately, this guy who's like a car salesman in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Where the money resides. <laughs> like, that's like the ratchetest thing I have seen on my timeline since I've like really paid attention to my timeline. And I'm like, who is this dude? And I seen Super like win and actually bought a car from him. Um. Guys, have you seen him though? Yes, and the minute he jumped out the back of that, what was that? Uh, uh, CRV. The minute he, I wanted a car, <laughs> exactly. I was like, if if I had gone to the car lot when I bought my little Honda, and the guy had like jumped out the trunk and was like, "You ready to buy this Honda?" I would have been like, "Hell yeah!" Listen, I live in Jersey City. Okay, it's basically like right across the river from New York. I don't really have a reason to have a car, so I gave up my car when I first moved here. But for the first time since giving up my truck, I was like, I think it's time to buy a house. Like, and I need him to sell it to me. Like, that guy is everything. That was yes. good. That was that it. Was that was a miraculous like, moment. And it's the way he like did that little side strut thing. Yes. He was walking. <laughs> the little boots he got on, like everything. The like, I was just and the way his little back was arched, where the money reside. <laughs> Yes, that's it. That was like the most ratchetest thing I've ever seen on my timeline. So what about you, Deidre? <laughs> okay, I have, you know, I'm I'm trying really, really hard to be more present on TikTok, right? I've never been here for it, but, you know, I ain't got nothing else to do except for, you know, read people's natal charts and shit. But there's this lady on TikTok who has been trolling us. Her name is Cheese Daily. She makes these scrumptious meals, but she does these voiceovers implying that she's basically serving her husband and taking her grandmother's advice. And it is just everything that I need in life. Because, especially because, you know, I pride myself on being a homemaker. No matter what entrepreneurial ventures I'm in, I pride myself on being a homemaker, right? But everybody knows that the only home that I'm making is for Dylan, right? But I just really enjoy this lady pretending to be so devoted to her husband. I kind of suspect that she does serve her husband, but I do, I'm not mad at it because I'm like... No, but but you know what the whole gist of her account is, though? Like, she's making fun she's of this, like... right? She is, but she's also making fun of this, like, genre of, like, TikTok wives who will go on TikTok and, like, show themselves cleaning and be like, this is after three days of me working overtime and my husband I didn't clean them. the kitchen. Like, they're literally like exposing how trash their husbands are and they're saying but i do this because i love my family so she's literally making those videos making like fun. oh that makes it like she'll make a sandwich and be like today i made a sandwich for my <laughs> husband and he said bitch you better get in the kitchen and you better put mayo on my shit and i did it because i love my husband I love, because i love my husband yo when i tell you she's so funny she made something she oh my first of all i'm gonna make what she made as soon as i can stand up without you know feeling no, the, the, f- the food looks amazing the food be good as fuck she made these tacos but them shits was authentic but then i went on her page because the food did look good and then i kept scrolling i saw oh, okay so she's pulling our leg this is fun so i made sure to like make note of her name so that i could bring her to the show because she's really fun i think y'all should go follow her you're gonna enjoy it she's hilarious so my on your timeline this week i actually saw it today and i y'all gotta forgive me because i can't remember what podcast this lady was on but she was on a podcast and apparently they were talking about dating and like first dates and uh-huh. she says that on a first date that she went on she asked her the guy she was on the first date with to stop at McDonald's so that she could get some food i don't know if it was like on the way home or what have you so she could get some food for her daughter right because she was like you know i i wanted to make sure i got some food for her on the way home cool mm-hmm. right the lady essentially in this clip is like mad because when she gets to McDonald's, she orders her daughter's stuff and she, you know, she emphasizes that it wasn't a big meal or whatever. Like, I think she expected him to pay for the food 
when she went to McDonald's. And like, there's this whole debate on, on Twitter of <sighs> who, who was, wrong. you know, and, and you know me, Deidre, you know, I hate these debates on who was wrong and who serves who first and what plate do you give for? Like, I hate those types of conversations. But in this situation, I, I, I don't get the logic here. Like what? Me neither. I'm a little confused. So, uh, see, okay. I don't know if you saw, I think this girl like tweeted something like if she goes out on a date with a dude, he has to pay for the babysitter and he has to pay for um, like a to-go box for the baby. What? And there's a lot of uproar about it, but here's the thing, right? This is just coming from, again, the entitlement, I'll never be here for entitlement. However, comma, I personally, since the daddy and I broke up all the millions of years ago, since I've been dating, I've never dated a man who has not offered to pay for child care. Once men, men who actually want to be in your life in whatever capacity, even if they don't see you as the future wife, I've personally never dated a man who knows that I'm a single mother. I doesn't say, do you need help paying for the babysitter? Actually, like, I'll take care of the babysitter. Like, I feel like it's different though when you when you allow that person to take the initiative and say, "Hey, I would like to do this for you," versus you setting the expectation on like a first date. I I don't again I don't condone the entitlement, but I don't think there's what's the difference between a single mother saying, "Hey, if there's a man who wants to take me out, he has to be able to pay for childcare." What's the difference between her saying that and B Simone saying, "Hey, I'm not dating no nigga that that don't make six figures." Everybody has the right to set whatever requirements they want. That's not a personal requirement of mine. However, I don't think any single mother, and this is a message to all the single mothers out there. Yes, that is your child. That is your responsibility. And that's the baby daddy's responsibility too. But don't date a man who's not willing to pay for childcare. Even if you don't want him to pay, if he has this idea that there should be a big, cold degree of separation between y'all and that child, he's, that's a red flag. And you that might is, as well date future. I can agree. Again, I can agree I'm, on the red flag part. Well, yeah, that, that, that was where my confusion came in with the whole thing because it's like, you asked me, we already went on our first date. Our first, yeah. I'm taking you back home. You asked me to stop by McDonald's. Cool, that's not a problem. You're already in my car. But yeah. the, you're asking me to stop here so you can get food for your child. Right. Yeah, I feel like And then looking at me later. like I'm crazy because I'm not paying for the food. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, what I think it, that's annoying. And I don't think she's being direct. If you wanted him to buy it, you should have said, hey, do you mind buying my child a Happy Meal on the way home? <laughs> you right. know? But don't be like, hey, do you mind stopping me here so I can get my daughter something? No, stop playing games. And let me tell you something. Men just want us to tell them what we want. I think if she had been more direct with him, he probably would have been willing to spend a little five or six dollars on a happy meal. Like, but you stop a, a big mistake that a lot of women and I'm not saying all women. So don't come for my neck because I will. I have time. I'm on my bed for the next week. I will go back and forth with you on the Internet. A lot of mistake that a lot of women tend to make when dating is expecting men to read our minds. I definitely agree with what Deidre just said. Like. For us, we definitely need to be more upfront about our expectations. And then also the guy offering, like, the child care. Like, if he knows that you have a child or whatever, you know, the bills are kind of high for child care, the babysitter situation, if I'm going to take you out on a date, let me be a gentleman and at least, like, offer that to you. Now, it's up to you whether or not you accept it or deny it. But at the same time... um, I don't know. These days, I feel like us as women, we are very, very prideful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, like to like take that help because it's like, okay, I want to be this independent woman or this independent kid. Like, let me go ahead and pay for, you know, my childcare situation. But the food stuff, like, I feel like in her, her angle was all wrong to me. Mm-hmm. You just passenger seat. And it's like, okay, well, let me order this happy meal for my baby. And you just sitting over there like, and you get some right. stuff, And they're saying, okay, we need this 550 or this $6 <laughs> for this happy meal. <laughs> and you're right. like, so you're not going to that. That's the part that blew me. Cause like, I'm sorry. And, and I can actually have this conversation because I, I, well, I don't date anymore, but I like both men and women. If I'm on a date with a woman and she's just like, staring at me in the mcdonald's like i'm gonna be like what we looking at <laughs> i don't i'm not i'm good i don't need anything baby like, <laughs> pass me this wells fargo card we need to go like exactly like that's not it to me like i feel like yeah. you should definitely like set those like 
you should have made that known initially. Like, hey, you know, my baby, she's at home. It's okay if we stop at McDonald's afterwards. Would you mind, you know, paying for right. it? Right. And we're like, things. Would you mind yeah. buying something from McDonald's for my baby? Not can you stop me to McDonald's so I can get something for my baby? Be more clear with your words. Because he can automatically be like, uh, bitch, no, get out of my car. And that's like, <laughs> if you ask me, that's likened to those men who like to brag on social media about taking women out on dates and pretending to forget their wallet home to see if she'll pay. And I've made it abundantly clear, and I'm going to continue to make it clear. If you try to test my ass on a date, I'm going to fail because I'm walking the fuck out. Don't invite me on a date and try to play that game about, oh, I forgot my wallet home. Can you pay? I'm not paying. because you Don't invite me, me anywhere. And that's for... for- <laughs> That's for men I'm interested in. That's for, you know, anybody who is a friend of mine. Don't initiate the, the hey, we're going this place and then set the expectation. Of, well, there, it's I guess it's it's let me clarify. It's different in certain scenarios. So, for example, if me and Phoenicia go out, we've gone out so much times that. I mean, we're expecting to split the bill because that's just what we do, right? right? Same, yeah. One person will say, no, I got you, I got you, whatever. But we exactly. both go there with money to pay for our meals. Now, mm-hmm. if this is a first time scenario and I don't know you or I'm getting to know you and you invite me somewhere, then I'm going to always have my own money to pay for food. I don't go anywhere where I don't have the funds to cover it. But mm-hmm. etiquette, you know, the, the kind thing to do is that if you invite it's- someone somewhere, you cover the yeah. charges of whatever it is exactly but that's a whole thing that's like a whole there's like a demographic of men who talk about when they take a woman out on a date they pretend to forget their wallet or they'll bring a card that hasn't been activated so the card can be declined to yeah. see how the woman would react and i'm like listen i am not the one i will you fail should be embarrassed time. though i will fail every time because i'm packing my things i'm taking my to-go box too and i'm leaving okay <laughs> like i'm not staying i'm not gonna be part of that sir it's dishes in the back he gotta roll up his sleeves <laughs> And you rolling up them sleeves, baby, because me and my hand eczema will not allow me. Goodbye. You know what's crazy, though? And you know why I don't argue with, with these people having these conversations online and why I don't argue with men who have these conversations about how much date costs? My almost husband paid for a fucking MRI on our first date, okay? We literally, I had just gotten in an accident a couple weeks before. We went on a date. I had an MRI before the date. I said, do you mind taking me? I didn't ask for him to pay for the shit. I said, do you mind taking me before this date? Because I have to get this done. He paid for my MRI. No questions asked. Okay. I didn't wait for him to do that. But also, that's a husband. And there's a difference between a husband and these ashy ass men who have these arguments on the internet. Okay. That's what I'm like. And, and, and I don't mean to be that girl, but let's just talk about like attracts like, okay? If you're constantly attracting these niggas who constantly feel this need to create a degree of separation, who feel this need to test you at the store, at the restaurant with exactly. the big debit card. Exactly, exactly. Why are you allowing those kind of men into your life? And okay? it's... it's like I, but it's men and women. If you're, if people, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. If you feel the need, trick. yeah, if you feel the need to make this a game, like to test, oh, what type of person are you? What are you willing to pay for? I need yeah, to see if you're good enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, anyway. take that away because it's the same. It's, you're right. Both men and women do that. I mean, shout out to Miss McDonald over there with her little McDonald's scheme. Like, girl, just be more clear. You know what I'm most concerned about though? Like, did the baby get fed at the end of the night? Because you were here playing with her meal. Yeah, hello. The babies have the babysitter. You don't promise this baby. Listen, just let me go out for a couple hours. I promise you, I'm gonna bring you back a happy meal. And you out here testing people, boy, children. Listen, listen. A food point. Listen, no kid, that baby is like, do I, am I getting chocolate milk or a go-gurt? What's up, mommy? Like, hey, let me know. I need to know. That I'm is- through. Anyway, <laughs> that is what is on our timelines this week. Y'all, if you are on the internet showing off about the fact that you test in people and their money and their wallets, please hey. stop. Stop embarrassing yourself. You don't Pe- the people arguing with you and debating this are just as, probably just as stupid as you are. Yeah. Everybody else is just looking at y'all like you dumb. Listen, you know what they always say. If you argue with fools, people from looking from the outside can't tell who is who. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of future, <laughs> no, I just I, I I brought him up because he's the king of wild bad, and our next segment is called "You're Good Up or You're Wild Bad." So Phoenicia, because you are from the continental United States, sometimes you might not be as as acclimated to our dialect. So I'm going to explain what "good up" mean and what "wild bad" mean. <laughs> so it's it. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward, pretty understandable. So when we say good up, we mean something is like 
just so good. So like it's it's understood that that thing is like you know top tier, the bomb, mm. the shit, whatever. Wild bad means like you wildin', like you like, want take it down Calm you, down. You want it? You want a ten? We need you at a zero. That's what wild bad means. So the next segment is called "You Good Up or You Wild Bad." Basically, we bring up one question for all three of us to answer. Depending on your answer, you might be good up or you might be wild bad. It depends. It's it's actually up to our listeners to determine that. It's not up to us. Even though I think you know everybody wild. We're bad. gonna still vote. We're gonna still vote. <laughs> <laughs> so. The question is for you guys, and I'm, of course, going to let Phoenicia go first, is would you seriously, and I say seriously, not casually, would you seriously date someone who practices a different religion than you? Why or why not? Hmm. <laughs> it's the face for me. <laughs> um, oh, my God. It depends. Like. If you're, if you're like so like covered in your religion to where it's like anything that goes against it, you're just completely off course. So if I question anything about it and you have an attitude about it, then no, we can't go there. So it's someone, I mean, you have to kind of like match me a little bit. Like you're not so deep into it, but you have just enough. So I can definitely do it, but it just, it just depends on yeah, if you're deep into it, I can't give it it. But if you've broken a couple of rules and, you know, you're kind of like a rebel like me, then yes, I can definitely <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I think I'm on the same, I, I think I'm on the same boat. Um, I, I'm fascinated by religion and spirituality. Um, I am fascinated by the different things that other people believe. I love learning more about it because like I'm a history junkie and a lot of, you know, religion and spirituality kind of ties into like the different history and different cultures that people have. Um, so I'm always interested in like learning more. And again, it's funny because answering these questions is like, bitch, who are you going to date? Who are you going to date? You're not dating nobody. But anyway. Questions I need answered. Because <laughs> you have a whole husband in the next Ex- Exactly. Right. But again, these are these are hypotheticals. These okay. are hypotheticals. So, okay. I mean, I could. I, I honestly could. But again, it determines on what your religious views, how they affect me. So, for yeah. example, I'm a bisexual woman. Do you, are you so firm in, you know, a lot of religions have these like super homophobic, super misogynistic views. So is that going to come into play? Because one thing I can do is date somebody of a different religion. One thing I can't do is date somebody who's homophobic or misogynistic. Yeah. Can't, I just yeah. can't. So if that's coming into play, then I'd be like, mm, hmm. sorry. That's but, mm. It is. And that's the thing. That's why I'm open to it because I'll say that. And I'm, you know, I consider myself to an extent a Christian, but there are Christian people who are homophobic and misogynistic. So I, <laughs> I'm sorry. We're I, so, I can't help it. <laughs> so I can't say, no, I wouldn't date somebody who is a Muslim or a Buddhist or what have you. If there are people within my own religion whose views I strongly disagree with. You know, yeah. but yeah, yeah. did I, I want to hear your thoughts on this? Cause I think of the three of us, you're probably less religious and more spiritual than anybody Yeah, I'm else. absolutely not religious. I'm very spiritual, um, but I would date anybody as long as their religion does not, as long as their religion is not a weapon to harm others, if that makes sense. So again, people who use the Bible to weapon, to, to be homophobic, right? Um, and as long as I'm not, if you and I decide we're going to get married, as long as I don't have to become a member of your religion to be your wife, that's, that's the only, you know what I mean? That's the only way a religion, your religion can get in between us. If your religion is not rooted in love, unconditional love, that's not in a sense of judgment and, you know, oh, you are going against the word of God because you like people of the same sex. Uh, you know what I mean? As long as it doesn't come with those conditions and as long as I don't have to convert to your religion, we gravy, we Gucci. And as long as you're accepting of me, you know, because the things that I believe have been demonized for a long time, you know? And so for me, I'm like, I love who I am. I love what I believe in, but I, I'm never gonna, be around anybody who feels this need to like put down others just because of religion. Because when you really think about every single religion that exists, there's a common theme. That there's a higher power that we essentially are here to serve in some way. You know what I mean? Um, and 
that's the common theme, but there's a lot of differences, but I don't get into the differences. But that's the, that's honestly my only condition. So really and truly. Like, yeah. I think my only other condition too would be that I want the freedom for our children to choose their own paths also. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would love for my kids to have some sort of spiritual belief because I think that spiritual belief does bring people comfort and Mm -hmm. it it gives them some place or some person or some being to give their problems to and trust Mm -hmm. that things are just going to happen the way that they happen. Um, I think that people who aren't religious can also believe in that way, but I don't know. I just want someone who is as open as I am to let me and let our kids choose their own paths because every human being is different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I brought this question up because this is a good segue into what our conversation is going to be today. Um, but if you're listening, make sure that you use hashtag good up Tuesdays on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you like to use your social media and answer the question for us. So would you seriously date and or marry someone who is of a different religious belief than you. You can also mention us at Good Up Pod on most social media platforms, and we will share your answers on our profile. So that leads us into today's conversation. Mm-hmm. So me and Deidre talked about this topic um, a long time ago, and, and it's the idea that Black people in particular, um, I know People of all cultures probably have these conversations, but I think it's it's a very big debate in the Black community. Um, it's the debate of religion versus spirituality and what are we allowed to practice and sort of our attachment as a culture to Christianity and how younger Black people are now sort of breaking away from that traditional practice um, of Christianity. So, of course, we're going to go around the, the Zoom and and discuss. Um, I, I want you guys to tell me, like, what was your initial relationship with traditional Christianity? And how do you think that's changed? And, and what does that look like for you now? So, of course, we're going to allow our guests to go first because we are rude. Because we got manners over here. We, we good right. up. We're very yeah. proper here. We're, as ghetto as we may be. <laughs> right. We're, we're, we're ghetto over here, but we have manners too. So, Phoenicia, please, please share with the room. Like, what did baby Jesus look like to you when you were younger, you know? <laughs> um okay so. hey, so you still get up for that right <laughs> like what did baby jesus like, like, like to you damn girl i'm for everybody next no as of as a forewarning i will be saying baby jesus and sky daddy so often throughout this episode and i need y'all to just prepare for it well the higher power that i praise is a woman so say what you want that's different um okay so first of all i definitely grew up like I was literally born into like the Baptist world. So it's like a million traditions, like a million generations of Baptists. So one thing I can say is being born into it. I mean, of course your mom, she grooms you into these things. Like this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're not supposed to do. But then as I got older, my mom was never and I discussed this on the first episode of my podcast, my mom was never like that mother who just punished you for wanting to find your own way. So as I got older, of course, I started asking questions. It was like, Molly, is it okay to do this? Is it okay if I do that? And she was like, baby, honestly, I don't care what you do as long as you have a relationship with God. I don't care what that relationship looks like. I don't care like what you like do to try to build that. It's all about you and him at the end of the day, because that's really what being a Christian is about. It's about building relationships. So she was like a lot of times, even like with her, she was like a lot of times I even felt personally, like I had to veer away from what my parents taught me to really, really know like who God was to me. Because if you like go based off of what people keep telling you, like what you're supposed to do and how it's supposed to look, are you really building a relationship with God? Like, is that really, can you really say that you built that? Exactly. Yeah. So with me, I just had to, it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of things that I like had to figure out what really worked for me. And being traditional just did not work for me. Like, I don't see myself as a traditional Christian at all, period. Now, granted, now I had to definitely like move some things, like one, cut my hair. To just really like figure out, okay, well, this is who I'm really supposed to be. 
Like I keep trying to tell y'all, shaving your head is a spiritual experience. Go ahead. Loki, girl, listen. <laughs> like shaving, shaving your hair is like shaving your head. I'm sorry. It's like it's a whole new like freedom. It's like you're shaving off like this surfaced look as to what you're supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And being in a Baptist church, like it's so much pomp and circumstance. Like, <laughs> listen. <laughs> It's so much, it's so much pomp and circumstance. And it's like, I don't want to dress up every Sunday. Like I don't, I, one, I don't do stockings. So oh, it's, itchy. it's too hot. Okay. My <laughs> legs together. Okay. Friction and stockings just don't go hand in hand. So it's like getting rid of that. And then wanting to like wake up on Sundays, just want to put on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and just go to church. But at the end of the day, I don't care what y'all have to say about me and what I look like. I'm not here for you. Let me get my praise on and go home. Yeah. So it's just like just growing up and going through those different phases, it really shows you like who you're really supposed to be. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like I said, like who are you to tell me what my relationship looks like with him? Yeah. You know? And I'm just I'm just like this, this, this religion, this tradition, like y'all are really like y'all are holding people back versus letting people just be who they want to be. Mm-hmm. So like that whole pomp and circumstance stuff, child, like I can't tell y'all how many times people have looked at me sideways for coming to church with pants on. Okay. That's like in the Baptist church, you don't wear mm-hmm. pants. Like women don't sit on the front row of the church. Women don't like get in the pulpit. Like, it's a lot of things that I feel like it's just, it's man-made to me. Like, those it are is. Like, li- literally, it's man-made to me. But as I've gotten older, of course, you know, I still respect my elders. I never, like, fully, you know, question them or whatever. But as for me in my house, <laughs> hey. like, this is what I do. As my shirt says, stay in your lane. Like, judge ye not unless ye wants to be judged. Hey, say it. <laughs> we getting scripture quotes. I, I, I'm here for it. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, yeah, like my experience is literally like, I don't want to say night and day, but it really is like night and day because in college, hey, I was going to tell you, I used to be wigged down. <laughs> listen, listen, let's discuss how when Phoenicia shaved her head, everybody called me and was like, is she okay? Like, is she good? I was like, yeah. No, Phoenicia, you you, you would never catch her anywhere without the wig laid, beat down to the gods, like heel, outfit. Like, Phoenicia was a, she, there was, it was a, it was a package deal with her, okay? And the minute she shaved her head, she became this just, like, free person. Like, yeah. the fact that Phoenicia's, Phoenicia's on this podcast with no makeup on. Oh, wow. Y'all gonna catch this natural glow. You hear me? I work Hello! Hard. I work Hello. hard for this natural glow, okay? Listen. I love it. But no, I you you can it. tell, like, there's been, like, a shift in her, and there's been, like, a freedom that has come with that shift. Yeah. And, like, it's reflected in, like, so many different parts of who she is and what she does yeah. now. Um, So it's just interesting to, like, hear you kind of tie that back also to, like, your spiritual journey and how that comes into play. Because it's crazy. Girl, so you know what? <laughs> Since I was little, I'm not going to lie. Once I understood how slavery happened, I wasn't fucking with the religion that was taught to me. And I know that sounds so like, what? But as a little girl, once I understood that most, uh, and this is not, there were black people here before slavery, let's be clear. We'll talk about that another time. But when I understood that a lot of the black people who are in this country are descendants of those who were grabbed up in Africa and dragged over here, dropped off in the Caribbean and dropped off here in America, I was like, okay. So if that's the case, what religions did they do over there? That was always my question as a child. Like, surely the things that we're doing here is not what they were doing before they came over on the transatlantic slave trade. That's always what I thought as a child. But, you know, you can't question God and things of that nature. So I was like, cool. I was that kid who always fell asleep in church. My mom would sometimes read her Bible to us at night. And I actually enjoyed it. It was like, it brought me like a sense of comfort. But I would always fall asleep. But then I feel guilty for falling asleep. I think the one thing that religion has given me is the biggest sense of guilt that I have ever, ever had. 
Anything that I did as a child that I felt went against the word of God, I felt this enormous sense of guilt. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Left Behind, but I think I was about 15 or 16 the first time I saw it. It was basically about the rapture. I was certain that I was getting left behind. My like tr- religion definitely traumatized me a little bit. I am not going to make it to heaven. And I wasn't doing anything wild, right? I was doing what all teenagers do. I was making out with my boyfriend. I was skipping class here and there. I was cramming my studies for my test. I was not doing anything absurd, but based on what the Bible tells me a human should be, I was certain that I was being left behind. Like I was for, I think at a very young age, I just acknowledged that I was going to hell. I was like, okay, all these things that I do straight to hell, I'm going, I'm just going to own it. Like, you know what I mean? But then I really just was like, no man, surely there's more. And then I went through a period where I was atheist and I was like, yeah, no, if this God existed, then all these terrible things that happen in the world wouldn't happen. So it was very easy for me to just pull myself out of it, especially because a lot of the people who, a lot of the adults who participated in the religion were also very vile people. I'm just going to say it. Homophobia in the Caribbean. Hey, Isa, come on. The homophobia is insane. Okay. I remember being a child and I would hear some of the things that the elders would say about gay people and it just didn't feel right. I'm like, are we, are we talking about people? <laughs> like, what's the difference? Like, I always had questions, always. And I never asked because I was the very quiet child who was very observant. And so I knew it was easier to just sit and keep it all in my head and keep wondering than to ask because somehow I would get in some kind of trouble or what have you. Um, I had a neighbor who, um, she practices African, um, traditions and because anything outside of Christianity, especially in the black communities, it tends to be demonized. It almost just seems some of the neighbors, including my mom, I love you mom, but it's true. They made it seem like this lady was practicing like, like, like voodoo and obia. Yeah, and even so when you think about it voodoo and obia it is considered a religion right and that's the closest to what our ancestors way back in africa were doing but that shit was demonized by slave masters hundreds of years ago you know what i mean but that's what they came over here doing so as a teenager i remember that neighbor and i remember being very intrigued by it And I loved hanging out at her house. I will say my mom used to let me hang out there. They would hang out at our house. But when they would have their drum circles and stuff, I would just be listening like, oh, I just want to be there. Like, I wonder if I can go. (laughs) You know what I mean? But my mom wasn't here for it because some of those African traditions, they do sacrifice animals, you know, as part of their rituals. And I remember one of their birds got loose and flew into our house and my mom went on a whole praying spree, okay? It was like, you know what I mean? But um, it was just very much that. And so for a good chunk of my adulthood, I just was like, it was just easier for me to just identify as atheist. But I couldn't. I would constantly have things happen in my life, like these miracles. And I'm like, God exists, man. Like, maybe it's not the way that it was taught to me, but something bigger than me is here. I just need to figure out what it is and make that connection. So then I just was like, I'm just going to keep it very universal. Like, whatever's out there, I believe in you. I just need to get a closer a better understanding of who and what you are and what resonates with me. And that was the decision I came to maybe like three years or maybe two or three years ago. And, um, and I'm cool with it. And that's where I'm like, yeah, no, I'm definitely spiritual. And I've definitely started like in the last few months, I've been doing a lot of research on like African traditions and that's what's resonated the most like African deities, you know? And I'm like, Oh my God, this definitely resonates. This feels like what I should be doing. Like it feels like home, you know? And because I respect those traditions, I'm not going to get deep into it because I'm not initiated or anything of the sort. So I don't want to sit here and try to share information about a religion that I'm genuinely not a part of, but it's the one that resonates the most and the one that I've been slowly like when the time is right and it comes to me and I have the opening to, you know, get a reading and be a part of it. I'm going to take it. But I know for sure that's what definitely intrigues me most is African spirituality. But I like it all. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still on a, I don't know. I I think that's the best I could describe it is I'm still on an I don't know. Um, (laughs) But I I was raised Pentecostal, um, which if you're familiar with the Pentecostal church, you know, I, they, women are not allowed to pierce their ears. Um, no one is allowed to have any piercings. Um, women aren't allowed to wear pants. 
Mm-hmm. Um, women aren't allowed to cut their hair, um, mm-hmm. wear makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me watch. just tell the devil I have a spot next to me in hell that you can <laughs> Like... <laughs> Yeah, in in the Pentecostal church, you're not allowed to um, you're not allowed to watch what they call secular movies, listen to secular music, um, go to events where secular music or you know people who aren't of your um denomination will be at. Um, they don't dance. Um, what else? It's there's there's so it's basically like as Christian as you can fucking get without being a Jehovah's witness, you know, yeah. um, this is basically y'all just sitting on a counter, sitting on the night. Chilling. <laughs> the, I think the, the biggest, the biggest difference between the Pentecostal denomination and maybe something like, um, you know, Jehovah's witness and things like that is that they do believe in certain holidays. Um, so they do celebrate things like Christmas and birthdays and things like that. Um, yeah, they don't believe in baptism. Um, so you're presented to God in a church ceremony. You're not baptized, which when I was a baby, I was never, I wasn't baptized until I was 23, 24 maybe. And that was my choice. Um, but yeah, so my, my conflict with that started when I realized that the reason we were going to Pentecostal church was because of my father. So for example, my, my mom is Catholic. She was raised Catholic. My dad was Pentecostal. So they were having sort of conflicts about that within their own marriage. And because he was the husband, it sort of just went like, well, the kids are going to go to church with me type thing. Um, my mom didn't go to church with us. And I always used to wonder why when I was younger and it was when I was older that I realized it's because of the scrutiny that she had to deal with every time she went to church because she wasn't Pentecostal, you know? Um, The other thing was that my dad was an alcoholic um, and he was also a, a drug user for a long time. And all of that was happening while he was in church, um, yeah. all of his his drinking and his rage and just the things we were going through in our household was happening while he was also taking us to church. And for me, it was just like, how can a person who is essentially such a representation of like the toxicity in our household yeah. also be the person who's like this super religious guy, you know, like going to church and all that stuff? Um And then the next thing is is very similar to what you said, Deidre, is it's this constant like in the Pentecostal church, like you can't do shit well being told you go into hell. Like, yeah, the the conversations about like the rapture and, and the second coming of, of Christ and all of this stuff happening. And they would literally be telling like little kids uh, and we were young. They would be like in the blink of an eye, like all your friends, your family could be gone. Do you want to be like the person who's left behind? Who's left behind? Yo, Listen, I was certain by a certain age that I had a first class ticket to hell. The first time I masturbated, I was like, yep, it's over. I'm going to hell for sure. I mean, like- and, and that's the thing, like, the, it felt like the, 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 what, what is it called? It felt like the, the podium or the finish line was like, they kept moving it. Right. So I would try to get right. and like, read the Bible, even though I didn't fully understand it. and like, just be this good person. And then, you know, I would come to church and then this is the thing. I had multiple like attempts with church. Right. So the first was, of course, when I was being raised in church, then my mom and dad got divorced. The second time I really tried going to church, I was in junior high and a friend of mine was Pentecostal. So I started going to church with him. So we're going to talk about that a bit more later, because there's a second question I want to ask you guys that kind of touches on it. But even that second attempt, I felt more welcome in his church. And it's like the minute I started to feel comfortable and feel welcome and like, okay, I've been going to church consistently and I feel like I'm doing great. And I feel like I'm building a relationship with God. One of the church members would come to me and be like, Hey, so when do you think you're going to take your piercings out? Or like, they would ask questions like that. Like you're doing good, but like, when are you going to fully be Pentecostal? Cause like you kind of on the outside right now. And like you, you're not in, that doesn't mean like you're doing good, you know? So shit like that. And it's like, then I left that and I was like, I'm done with that. Cause that doesn't feel good. Then I got old. I w- like, it would be decades in between. Right. Or like just years in between. And I got to college and decided to go to a non-denominational church. And that was like the most comfortable I felt. Right. 
I, I, I had a little period where I went to non-denominational church too, and I loved it. And eat, but the thing is, even there, I was comfortable. I was on the praise team. I was singing in church, which is something that oh, I've no. never felt better doing. And then one day I come to church and my pastor gives a whole sermon on homosexuality being a sin and them basically going to hell. And at the time, which again, if, if you know me and you've heard it on podcasts and on my blog, I've known I was bisexual for a really long time. Yeah, you So I'm that. sitting there watching a woman who I trust, who I, who I look up to, who I believe in, who I've trusted as my spiritual advisor, basically saying I'm going to hell. Yeah. And that was, I think that was like the last. How old were you? I was like 19, 20 when that happened. Wow. I was that um, age when I did my um, non-denominational stint too. Yeah. And yeah. It, that that was just, yeah, it for me. Um, But yeah. I think the next question that I want to ask you guys is like, what harm? Um, And we're going to touch more on like different types of spirituality and things like that. I don't want to make this just an episode about like attacking Christianity or like everything that's wrong with Christianity. Um, But I do want to ask you guys, like, was there ever a moment or a time that you can remember where your practice of religion in its traditional way was causing you harm? I would really have to say like the mental health aspect, like like therapy, like stuff like that. So, okay, in the Baptist church or just generally across like the Christianity realm, we would have like testimony, like testimony periods, like during the service. And I was around 14 years old when I like came to the church and I was like, I've had thoughts of suicide. Like I wanted to kill myself. And it's like, to me, I feel like People can be, especially Baptist folk, can be so judgmental yeah. when it comes to stuff like that. So they like they see you in this light, and now it's like you're feeling sorry for me. But you're feeling sorry for me is really praying on me, but not praying for me. Yeah. So yeah. at that point, it was like, dang, like now it's like you have this, you have this unwanted target on your back to where it's like, oh, she wants to kill herself. Y'all better watch out for her. Damn. Is oh she wants to kill herself or like babe are you okay and I'm like as a child or a teenager I was kind of afraid to really like let down that wall again because it's like I don't want this attention like I didn't do that for the purpose of people to right I was saying that as a like a cry for help my God like this is me what what can what can be done so I don't have these thoughts anymore yeah and then. It's like, frustrating because you know in Christianity there's that if you take your own life you're going to hell. Like that was another one of those things. So it's like I'm having these thoughts about harming myself. If I do it, I'm going to hell. But I'm low key living in hell right now, which right. is gonna be better. Like so it's like even in that aspect, like me wanting to kill myself. Like of course the first person I told was my mom because. Even though me and my mom was in the same household, there were a lot of silent battles that I went through that my mom didn't know about. Yeah. So first I had to tell her. And then I decided as a teenager to go to church and stand in front of the church and say it because I'm saying it publicly like, God, I need your help. And then also yeah. it was for people who were in my circle who were probably going through the same things, but they didn't know how to come out and say it. Mm. So it yeah. was like, I was like that person who started that, like that trend. Like, yeah. don't be afraid to tell people what you're going through because you're afraid of the backlash that you may get, mm-hmm. and that's traumatic. Like, you're going to church, this place where you feel like this is where I'm supposed to get the help that I needed, but instead, y'all are just asking more questions just to get in my business, mm-hmm. not help me. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, like I said, there's this target on my back. And you're using, like, my moment as a moment of clout. Like, I don't need you to, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't need you to do that. I don't need you to be a savior to me. I just need somebody yeah. to talk to. And then this whole people against going to a therapist, like, God is the only therapist I need. <clears throat> Let me read my Bible and I'll be okay in a couple of hours. Like, for me, no. Like, yeah. Not, that's not enough for me. And I personally feel like therapists are just another form of like a liaison between you and God. Like that's yeah. 
Like you can talk to them because they have that gift. That is their gift to talk to people and get those messages out of you that yep. you can't say to anybody else. Yep. So who am I to say, no, I'm not going to talk to a therapist because I don't trust them. Like, no, like that's what they were going to school for. That's what they were built for. That's their gifts. Their spiritual gifts. Everybody has spiritual gifts. Everybody. I'm glad yes. you said it, girl. <laughs> Everybody has spiritual gifts. And for me, it was great because I was able to find a Christian therapist. And she was also on a level where she's not into the traditional Christianity situation either. Mm -hmm. Very spiritual. And it was great to have that person to talk to because I felt like it was a release for me. I was in a place where I could just be myself and say literally everything I had on my chest without people taking it back. And just turning it into their own thing or trying to get cloud off of it or like those moments. Like I really hate when people are really like, no, you don't need that. God is all you need and all you need alone. Well, if that's the case, then why would he put this person here for me to be able to tell my story to? Exactly. Exactly. Like shit like that. Like, I don't know if that's my first time cursing since I've been on here, but... Oh, but I'm very... I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm like, oh, we be cussing, cussing. Like, curse. Do that. Maybe we need to do that as, like, a warm-up from now on. Like, when the guest comes on, we need to be like, yo, just just say fuck five times so you can, like, get used to the type of atmosphere we have here. Our listeners get offended when we don't curse. Like, (laughs) they call us out. Like, wait, who just censored themselves and why? Like, it's just, like, that little, like, that moment for me, like, it was just, there were a lot of traumatic moments that I really had in the church. And for us, we call it church hurt. Mm. So that's, like, that's the word for, like, church hurt. But then at yeah. the same time, you're kind of, I don't want to say you're prone to it or you're, like, you're responsible for that actually getting to you. But at, at a certain extent, when you grow older, you kind of learn how to take yourself out of situations that may cause you to be hurt by mm, Yeah. Like, you stop it before it gets to that point. Yeah. And then you're, like, naive and young, and you're still trying to find your place in the mm-hmm. church, trying to gravitate to these groups that you feel like would give you the validation. Yeah. That's where you get church hurt. Yeah. So, but, yeah, y'all, like, that was just super traumatic for me. Like the mental health aspect, like anytime I would like voice that, it was like a target was really on my back. And that's what really made me like say, you know what? I'm just, I'm over it. But at the same time, that's when I really felt like I found my voice for mental health. And then mm-hmm. I think one Sunday I did a whole Facebook live and like told the world like, y'all, I'm dealing with depression. Yeah. Wow, that's so brave. That's so strong of you, like, to just know it and say, fuck it, this is what's happening and this is what people need to know about me. Like, damn. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And I think I was, like, I was much older, of course, but it was just, like, just, it was something about that Sunday where I mm-hmm. felt like I, I had to do it. I just went yeah. on Facebook. I'm just like, y'all, like, I'm really dealing with depression. Like, this is, this is me. Like, this is what I look like. This is what depression looks like. You don't mm. see it. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. So yeah, like it's it was so traumatic. Like it was super traumatic that one moment, and I was so young. You know, that's that's a lot. Like I couldn't imagine being in that position, and then you might have felt so ostracized, like Mm -hmm. and just so like not even conflicted at that point, just like exposed, you know, and like in danger almost, like. Because now you don't know who to trust. You don't know who's there because they genuinely want to help or who is just looking for some tea, okay? And then who is offering to help just to be able to say that they've done it. Because, you know, a lot of people have this hero complex, right? So they just, they want to offer to help, but just so that they can brag about having helped, you know? Oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Shout out to you. My gosh. Yeah. You you go first, Aiza. <sighs> it, 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 there's a lot of church hurt say, in, in like my life history. I mean, w- yeah, one, there's like, there's, there's just the general, like me continuing to have to sort of start over my religious journey because I'm continuously sort of pushed out or, or feeling like the, the pedestal is, is moving from where I need to be. And like, I can't, 
you know, get good enough for God, right? Because of other people's opinions. Um, the other thing is just trauma directly associated with people who are supposed to be these just religious people. Um, so that same friend that I mentioned who I started going to church with in middle school was actually a boy that I liked. Um, and I was, a, I mean, any teenager is like super impressionable or whatever, but, you know, I had it in my mind that like, maybe this is a way that we could bond is like, if we're both, you know, in church together and like, you know, sort of exploring like spirituality or whatever together. Right. I thought that was like the safest, most innocent way to bond with someone, of course, because y'all know, like I have childhood trauma, you know, as it relates to, to sexual assault. So this, this same guy would like try to pressure me to have sex with him or do sexual things with him. And, you know, it wasn't on some like, well, I get it. It kind of was like bordering sexual assault because a lot of it I consented to because I liked this person. Um, but of course, looking if back, it was we now to know you, that you wouldn't have been interested in right. that shit at all. Yeah. Okay. And, and looking back, we now know that if somebody has to, you know, continuously try to convince you to do anything sexual, then it is assault. Okay. But this person was like, he was like mentally like just fucking up my brain. Cause like he would try to pressure me into doing these sexual things. And then we would go to church and then he would be the same person asking me like, okay, so like you accepted God and like, you've been in church for a while. So like, when are you going to remove your earrings or like, when are you going to do this? I'm like, he would be the person moving the fucking finish line in terms of like me getting right with God. But he was also the person who was causing me to do things that supposedly was pushing me further from God. So I didn't know what to think and I didn't know like who to be and what to do. Um, which is why, like when I left that church and I waited that couple of years, like my relationship with God would literally like disappear in between those times because in my mind, and I had spent so long in the Pentecostal church that if I wasn't going to church weekly, if I wasn't praying every day, if I wasn't doing this, if I wasn't doing that, if I was having sex, if I was, you know, all those things that I'd been conditioned to believe would send me to hell. Like why bother trying to have a relationship with God? If the God in my mind that these people have taught me, he is hates me because I'm not doing the shit that I'm supposed to do. Right. So I just, my, and it, it, Phoenicia, you mentioned something so important, which, which I have to make sure to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode, but I, I had had experience with like suicidal ideations and suicidal thoughts. And there'd been times where I'd been so close to just wanting to do it, to wanting my depression and my anxiety to be over and not following through with it because I was so much more terrified of going to hell than I was of actually killing myself. Oh, wow. I was more afraid of going to hell than I was of actually committing suicide. (laughs) So, I mean, it's it's confusing because looking back, like in a way, I'm thankful (laughs) that I'm still here. Obviously, yeah. But it's also sort of a complicated thing because it's like, am I still here because I genuinely, now I know I'm here because I genuinely want to be. But back then it's like, am I still here because I want to be or am I still here because I'm too afraid of what I think is going to happen after? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like that whole journey, like I developed a fear of like death. I developed a fear of like, I have, I'm still working through like the morbid fear of death. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, I can't reconcile like what happens when you die. And did I live yeah. a life good really? enough according? Yeah. Did I live a life good enough according to what I've been taught mm. that when I die, am I going to be in peace or is hell real? Is all these things that people have been talking about real? Like I could yeah. literally do a whole four episodes on just like the amount of Ooh. shit that I was told in my religious journey. Yeah. As well, like what happens when you die if you're not the person that you're supposed to be, right? Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, looking back, it's like all these people who told me those things, they were in marriages that they weren't happy because I remember them being prayed for at the front of the church. Oh. I, I, One thing I always remember is that whenever married couples were prayed for at the front of our church, the only people who were always crying were the wives. The only people who looked like they were in genuine pain all the time were the wives, were the women, yeah. the people who seemed the most just confused about their their journeys and who they were supposed to be and what they were supposed to do were always the women. Yeah. 
Mind you, sacrificed the, so much for those partnerships. The men were the ones always, you know, having sex and then being prayed for like, oh, he strayed and he needs to be brought back in. If a woman were to do the same, the response to her was not in being oh, embraced in the though. church. She's a whore. Yeah. Right. It wasn't being, being embraced in the church and being forgiven for straying. It was this person has, has allowed like the devil to get inside her or uh-huh. yep. like that. Like the response was just you, so completely different. Let's think about the Bible mm-hmm. and the misogyny of it all. Right. Because the world as we know it is trash because what Eve apparently was allo- allowed herself to be swayed by the devil. Right. <laughs> like all these religions, like, which, you know, have all been, they're all like a diluted version of what our ancestors practiced, right? Even when slaves were brought here and they practiced what they were doing before they, you know, made it here, they, their practices were far more detailed and, you know, all encompassing. And women were actually like kind of at the top of totem pole. Like the value of women was very much understood. And, but there were some scary aspects, some aspects of African religions that terrify the fuck out of the slave owners and all those who were out here going on their crusades and killing everybody, right? So they're like, uh-uh, y'all ain't doing this shit no more. What y'all are going to do is believe in what we believe in. They created their own religions based on what they saw our ancestors practicing. But they took all the beautiful parts. They took all the rituals and the burning of things and the, the opulence, right? Mm-hmm. They took all of that. Christianity, all the Christian religions are derived from African religions. They took all the opulent parts, the parts that are beautiful, the parts that, you know, and then they also kind of just used, they, they, they also tied in patriarchy with that, right? So even the story of Adam and Eve, right? Patriarchy the, and, and racism. Of course, the racism. racism. Like, let's be clear, because how would no Jesus is white? You see what I'm saying? So it's a combination of the racism and the patriarchy. So they created their own religion for us to worship, right? And every aspect of those religions are rooted in what? What's the buzzword? Fear. If you do this, you're going to hell. If you first of all, you we all listen. Y'all could continue practicing what y'all came here practicing, or die. If you don't believe in what we believe in, you're going, you're dying, right? And then what they did, the, the, those who actually started practicing what the slave masters told them to practice was just nothing but fear. If you don't do this, you're going to hell. If you do this, you're going to hell. If you do this, you're going to hell. So it's a form of control. It's controlling a mass of people so that you can get what you want out of them. And I think that's that's my biggest issue and struggle and always was is that whenever I would find that peace that they said you're supposed to find mm-hmm. with God, that peace was always interrupted by fear by, mm-hmm. Hey, I know you feel like you, you good with God and you're great, but, but make you sure you're not doing this. <laughs> yeah. right. Like make sure you're not doing this because that peace is going to get interrupted. And, and it just, it was, it was so frustrating and of course, as I got older, as I got educated, as I became a feminist, it became even harder to practice Christianity in the traditional sense because I continue to see that, you know, for example, Phoenicia, I don't know if you remember, there was one day I texted you and I was like, Proverbs 31 is a scam. And you were like, what? <laughs> tell, tell it to me, girl, because I have put so many Bible books okay. on my head. Oh, my God. I so there's this concept of the Proverbs 31 woman, right? And I I was in at the time we were in undergrad. And in undergrad there were so many girls who went to school with us who were like I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. And I was just like What is a Proverbs 31 woman? So, Phoenicia, you you are better versed on scripture than I am, so you can tell her. I want to okay. know. Let me just go. I'm going to go to the Bible and I'm just read a little bit. Yeah, I'm 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 going to let her do that. I I, I wish I could get you to like read the whole thing, but it's going to take a while. But I want y'all to hear what the Bible says a Proverbs 31 woman is, right? And then Phoenicia, if you can, I want you to touch on the part that, so the Proverbs 31 is basically like an instruction manual on what makes a good wife, right? And it's also, and what people don't realize is it's also supposedly an instruction manual on what makes a good husband or what's required of him. But I want Phoenicia to touch on the one part that's for men and then the rest on what's for women. I bet you it's like for y'all niggas just be alive. For y'all women though, I'm going to need y'all to get it right. Get it tight. Keep that hair looking. (laughs) I'm just, I'm trying to find that one part. I mean, but basically like, hey, Isaac said, 
like literally the entire like just Proverbs 31, like the verses one through 31 is basically like you're what women yourself. should do. Yes. You're preparing yourself to be a wife to your husband. Like everything that a husband requires of you, this is what you need to do. Like your house needs to be in order. You need to be at home making sure that this is done. The bed. You, be you, it's something about like weaving a, a, it's like weaving a blanket of something. Like you need to cook this or do this or. Well, shit. Okay. Get it together, ladies. Okay. Get it together. <laughs> this here, it says she makes her own bed spread. She dresses in a fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments. She sashes to sell to the merchant. She is clothed. This is the favorite one that they always quote. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without the fear of the future. Like they only take like that one snippet from the entire list of verses in Proverbs and they form everything around that one verse. So here's my thing. And and I get it. I get that that Proverbs are supposed to be, they're not, you know, the Bible is not supposed to be taken as literally as some people take it. Right. And I get yeah. that. <laughs> It's, it's more of a guidebook versus an instruction manual, you know? Um, and I, I do fully get that, but I feel like, for example, things, and I'm, I'm, I'm leaning heavily on that example of the proverb, Proverbs 31 woman, because there's, there are so many requirements of what a woman needs to do to be a good woman in society, to be a good woman of God, to be a good wife. And there's so little on what, men are supposed mm-hmm. to do to be yeah. good husbands outside of, you know, you are, you are the head of the house. You are mm-hmm. the, the, the liaison between your family and God. Like right. you're it. Right. Meanwhile, women in the, the Bible are like getting her. stoned because they're whores or they're, they're barren. So they need to pray to God to have more kids right. or they're having freaking baby Jesus is out in the wilderness in the cold and, right. And, baby, I didn't ask for it. By the way, you just woke me up out of my fucking sleep to tell me this baby <laughs> up in here. Now I gotta get like, now I have to go deliver him in a fucking manger. What the fuck? I'm Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry, but let's oh. talk about it. I'm sleeping. I'm minding my business. I had a long day at work. Good Up is hosted and produced by Deidre Ritter and Hey Isaac Quinones Ivory, and is a proud member of the Kickin' It family. Find us on all social media platforms at Good Up Pod. Use hashtag GoodUpTuesday to continue the conversation and get access to exclusive bonus content at patreon.com slash gooduppodcast.